Climb aboard the struggle bus. You got problems just like us. Climb aboard the struggle bus. Let Kate and Sally help you. Welcome to the struggle bus. I'm Kate. I'm Sally. And we're here to fix your lives. That said, we are two people whose only qualifications to give you advice are that we have lots of feelings and lots of opinions. Neither of which are a substitute for professional guidance. Sally. Catherine. How are you doing today? I'm okay. I just uh, moved the levels down. Can you hear yourself? I can hear myself. Excellent. Yes. You sound great. How are you? I'm okay. I'm, I'm tired. Yeah. It's been a long week. I was away for the, the holidays. Right. A lot of traveling. I performed in the Neo Futurist show this weekend. I'm back in. How was that? So good. Are you going to jibber jabber about that? I will I eventually. Yeah. Sweet. Sally, what about you? How are you doing? I'm okay. I'm also tired. Yes. Um, it's very early. It's early. I don't know. I, I, I had one of those nights where... Um, I don't really feel like I actually slept. Like, I feel like I was dreaming intensely the whole time. You're not the only one. I've been talking to people who have insomnia and they're like, it's not like me. And I'm like, mm, okay, I can see that. Yeah. I too am having a hard time sleeping. I mean, I was actually asleep. I just was, dr- I had such active dreams mm-hmm. that when I woke up, I felt like I had actually been awake the whole time. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? One of those deals. You just reminded me of a thing. Oh God. I promise I wouldn't talk about this. I'll keep this very Is brief. Is it a dream? No, No, it wasn't, but I thought it was for a second. You know when you're dreaming something terrible and you're like, oh, it's a dream. Thank goodness. And you wake up and everyone's still there. Uh, Early, early yesterday morning, I had a call back for a big thing and Mm -hmm. I went into my uh, um, closet dresser thing and pulled out some sweaters and I've never seen anything like this in my life. Not in the bedroom, okay. but a very large, very half-dead cockroach oh. clinging to my sweater. Oh, God. Thank you. Which, that didn't belong there. Now, listen, it's been years since we had them in the apartment. We're very clean. It doesn't matter. It's New York City. They poison them sometimes in every building yeah. on, on down the street. They climb up and they yeah. die. Very slow one. Very much almost dead. Uh. Still nightmare right and i was Total like nightmare. wake up and i was like oh my and it was right when i woke up and i was like oh my oh, fucking shit. god this is not a it dream was like really happening yeah. so i did oh what god. an adult would do and i woke my boyfriend up and made him kill it even nice. though it was already dead and um I basically stood on a chair and pointed and yelled until he got up <laughs> really early in the morning so that was really terrible of me but oh, i survived man. sally <laughs> i feel like if you had said so, of course, I burned my entire wardrobe. I mean, I would I'm have been like, well, yes, of course. pretty close to doing that. I threw out some things that it had clearly been on. Oh, man. And um, I, I had a hard time last night. I went in and, and picked out clothes and put them in my ottoman this morning because yeah. I didn't want to go open it up and relive the experience. I have to say that there's nothing <sighs> quite as terrible as first thing in the morning. Like, sometimes, like, we had a period where we had roaches and... um. You know, I don't know, someone else fumigated or something and they found their way into the, Yeah, they, they like to run away, which yeah. is, you know, smart which evolution. Is smart. But uh, it was like, you know, first, first, first thing in the morning, I'm like half asleep and I open the cupboard to grab like the coffee or mm-hmm. something and there's one like skittering away. It's basically a science fiction movie. Yeah, it's horrific. I, I don't want to go too much into it, but I feel like uh, it should be noted that I am terrified, yes. as is my boyfriend. They were one of the big guys. Uh, they have never been in any bedroom I've been in. They're always like maybe wandering in the hallway and like, right. hop in the kitchen because they're into water. It clearly was poisoned and sick. Yeah. But still. Yeah, no, it's not It's not cool. It's not going to be a repeat occurrence ever, but still, I think I'm convinced it will be. Um, hey, listen, I'm sorry about that. If you oh, <laughs> sorry, I tried to put it back up and then don't I, worry about then it. Then I r- forgot about the Let's, pipe was really hot is and it so hot? It, yeah, and is so it my heat elbow. On? Yeah. Oh, I don't think so. It's well, this is very hot. To oh, touch. it is. I didn't realize. Okay, I thought because uh, it's warm out. Is it warm out? It's not that cold, mm-hmm. but that's like I mean, our apartment building it gets to like yeah. fifty-one degrees, <laughs> and all of a sudden there's like heat blasting on us. Hey, listen, do you have opinions about anything we said just now? <laughs> heat, uh, roaches. Oh god. Ugh. Actually, please don't write into us about roaches. Don't <laughs> just keep it to yourself. <laughs> I yeah. Anyway, tweet at us mm. at strugglebuspod. Email us at strugglebuspodcast at gmail dot com. Instagram dot com slash the strugglebuspod. Use the hashtag strugglepodbuds420 to find a struggle buddy. Tweet at Sally T. Tweet at me at SPK Heller if you'd like to join our secret Facebook group, mm-hmm. which is a safe space to talk about things, ask for advice from a nice online community that we uh, we monitor mm-hmm. and or share all of your animal photos. Send us an email. Um, it's the same email address as questions. So if you have 
a question, make sure you put that in the subject line and send a separate email with I want to join the Facebook group to strugglebuspodcast at gmail.com. And um, we will make that happen. And if you have money and or not that much money, but you want to help support us for as little as $5 a month, Sally's taking pictures of me. Thank you. Um, You can go on to strugglebuspodcast.com, log in to Gumroad, open an account for as little as $5 a month. You get monthly bonus episodes. There's 14 in there. Sally, Mm -hmm. tell me what else they get as I drink water. Catherine, they get a ticket to ride the struggle bus. It's a little card we will send you in the mail, the U.S. postal mail, uh, and you can keep it on you. It says never ride alone. And I don't know about you, Catherine, but I know that the holidays are coming up. <gasps> you know, if you're like me, us. and I know I am, <laughs> I have to credit Joel Hodgson from Mystery Science Theater for the best line ever. That's amazing. It's such a good show. If you're like me, and I know I am, I've never forgotten that. Um, Love you, Joel. Uh, <laughs> Wait, that reminds me. So recently, my friend Rachel, you know how people, when they talk about their period, they're like, Aunt Flo is coming. Um, so my, my friend Rachel said Aunt, Aunt Period, which I thought was amazing, which she said it was that that's actually a Lindy West thing. Oh. But anyway, that just reminded me because that's like a thing I, I keep meaning to integrate into my everyday my speech. My old aunt menstruation. Exactly. Which I will also add to that. Um if you're anything like me and I know I am. That's amazing. Okay. Uh, wait, uh, since Rachel who spoke to Joe Biden. And, yes. The very know, same. We're going to have to talk about that at some point. Yeah. But let's get to she, our... She gives and gives. Thank you. Let's get to our opening jibber jabber, let's shall do we? It. Oh, well, actually, you you were saying... <laughs> yeah, sorry. So I lost my the thread there. But what I was going to say is, if you're like me, you know the holidays are coming up. And what I know better... I am. <laughs> <laughs> hey What better gift to give someone than 14, soon to be 15 bonus episodes of The Struggle Bus, which you can give them for just $5 a month. So you're really giving them a gift every month for the rest of your life that costs $5. Yeah. Sounds pretty great. Yeah. Well, I mean, you can cancel. You don't have to do it for the rest of your life. I, I had an embarrassing situation where the uh, the card's worth a lot of money. It's a mm-hmm. good quality card. Never ride alone. And somebody I spoke to was like, oh, I see your phone case. And I'm like, do you? Because I advertised <laughs> the show on my phone. Um, and I told her it was a podcast and this and that. And then I said, oh, here's... And she loved it. And she's like, I want to subscribe right now. I was like, oh, and here's our bus pass to become a member. And she took it. And she's like, oh, great marketing. And put it in her wallet. I was like, no. And I <laughs> I felt terrible because oh she thought you were like giving it to yes. her yes she thought it was like a business card which in hindsight oh. of course of course she did it's a really good idea for a business card <laughs> it is and I had to ask for it back oh. it was so embarrassing I was like um actually do you mind if I um oh. this is gonna sound weird but like I'm emotionally attached was so, it a stranger it was somebody yeah I mean it's but it was somebody who was working reception at a place that was gotcha. casting an important thing and I didn't oh. want to be rude but I'm like I can't run it back um, it's amazing. Yeah, it's casting office. Okay. Well, yeah. I hope you get that part uh, because maybe <laughs> she'll get give you the part so that you can she can come see your card again. Well, I mean, obviously, or I could come see my own card, or you could. I don't well, know. listen, I should have given it to her. <laughs> we have more, right? Okay. So, opening jibber jabber. We promised. We did for this to happen. So, I actually didn't see what you wrote because you wrote it recently. Right? I added it this morning. Okay. Well, uh, do you want to go first? Yeah, I'll go first. So. <laughs> I just read it. I finally finished book two of the Game of Thrones series, and I feel I've honestly never felt more free. Because well, now, I don't know how many books there are. <sighs> Catherine, what? a thousand. <laughs> I don't know. I think there's like five or six. Okay. But but it's not done yet. There's another one. I don't know. I, this is I could easily obtain this information, but I, I actually don't. <laughs> but I, I want to say there's at least five. Uh-huh. And each one is like... I think at least a thousand pages. Like okay. the one I just read was like 970 pages. The one before that was, I think also around 900 pages. And so I just, I felt like I've been stuck in this book for a lifetime. Um, and it was enjoyable and everything, but I needed a break so bad. So you like had to finish it. Oh God. I finally finished it. I can, now I can read whatever I want. I feel so good. I I'm going to go back to the, to the series at some point, but it's definitely getting a little bit like, I don't So George R. R. Martin started this whole series and he has yet to actually finish it. And now the show is like ahead of where the books are. Oh, so the show had to like improvise. Okay. And like, um, I think, I think the first one came out in the mid nineties. So it's been a long time. And a lot of his fans, his longtime fans are like, finish the books, finish the books. I totally understand why this man cannot finish these books. He created the most, like, I mean, I initially I was like, Game of Thrones is such a rich universe and an internal logic and it's so cool. And now it's actually just so complex and complicated that I can't keep track of like anything that's happening. So, of course, 
he's not going to finish them because it's so stressful as a reader just to read them. <laughs> we have a major falling I saw it slowly problem. sliding towards you and I tried to you like... You tried to save it. There's a, there's a, okay, I'll take this away. We have Hold some on. pictures. Okay. okay. Uh, anyway, the point is... Um, if I were him, I would just be like rocking back and forth and like sucking my thumb at the prospect of like finishing these books. I cannot tell you how many characters, storylines, historical things, myths and shit there are. And I, I guess if you read like sci-fi a lot or fantasy, this is maybe that this is just how it is. Mm -hmm. But it is so goddamn overwhelming that I started to feel like I was I was like reading a textbook by the end of it. And I mean, it was an enjoyable textbook. Like it's all very, it's all very fun to read. But enough is enough, Catherine. Uh, more characters oh than God. a than a tweet. Am I right? Uh, oh, way more. No. Um, but okay. Quick question. Yes. Uh, you've already watched all the seasons, mm -hmm. so you're already ahead. Yeah. What's keeping you from just jumping into book three? I need a goddamn break. Okay. Just because if once you start reading one of those books, you're committing because they're a thousand pages and they're like a quick read. I mean, it's not like you're reading a thousand pages of Tolstoy. I mean, it's George R. R. Martin, you know, but I mean, but it's just like it, 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 do, it does take a lot out of me to like absorb it because there's so many goddamn characters. There's so many plots. There's so much shit happening that to keep track of it is actually kind of like a project. Mm -hmm. I just, I, I need a break. Yeah. And I've also heard that like they get increasingly, um, like dense and difficult to get into as you go, which I can't imagine anything being dense. Well, I guess, yeah, it was pretty dense. This one was, anyway, the point is, <laughs> I, I think I'll get back to it eventually because now I just want to be one of those people who is like a completist, mm -hmm. but I need a break. Yeah, no, that's good. Between like a month and a decade. Enjoy. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. you. deserve it. I feel really good about it. But Catherine, <laughs> yes. I'm really intrigued by yeah. your jibber jabber. I wrote down Solidarity Square Dance. You so sure listen, did. I was feeling a lot of feelings last week. Rightfully so. You're mm -hmm. welcome. I uh, listened back to our conversation about allyship and stuff and sexual harassment and whatnot. And I went back into the Futurist show. And the good thing about the show is you can write about your week. You can mm -hmm. write about anything. And I was like, you know what? I've always wanted to write a square dance play because back in the day, I think I may have alluded to to this, uh, we lived on High Street on Block Island. My parents were, were together uh, once a year. My father would throw the Heller High Street hoedown. Mm. And so uh, square dancing is in my life. So I decided to write a thing called Solidarity Square Dance, a lesson in allyship where we all take turns being the caller and saying how to be an ally. So I had all the members of the ensemble ask some questions like, is there one group right now that you associate yourself with? And are there allies who bother you? If so, why? And if are, are there any things you want to say to the allies? Because we use each other's words a lot. So then I took what they wrote back and made it into rhyme schemes. And they each got to be nice. the caller. And uh, I'll tell you what, Sally, it was really great. Yeah. It's going well. It's good. And the thing is, square dancing is really fucking easy. Yeah. It's, it's really fun, I remember. In uh, third grade. Yeah. It doesn't. And, and so we... We, you know, they learned it um, and we did it and it went, was like flawless. That's awesome. And everyone's like, how, how did we do that? I was like, square dancing is so easy, <laughs> but it's fun and yeah. it's really funny. There's one straight white uh, cis man in the cast, heterosexual, and his couplet, he, I actually didn't send the email to him because who needs it? His <laughs> thing was just when he gets up, he's just silent <laughs> for several beats and then he's like, I'm just listening. It oh, was, that's amazing. And people like that and that's everyone cool. else gets to say things about rape culture and Black Lives Matter and Yeah, what did people feminists. say? What kind of stuff did people white say? White feminists, um, Black Lives Matter or like um, talking, to, talking to white people about black yeah. people. Um, fake Allies, male feminists. That's my couplet. Uh -huh. Couplet is that a word? Sure, I, that's my sounds thing. like a word. And um, what else? Yeah, that sounds awesome. Yeah, it's really funny. I'll show you later. Okay, cool. There's video. Of it. Oh, there's video. Yeah, cool. Into anyway, it. so um, the point is, take lemons, lemonade, sure, make a thing, and uh, I really, I really dig it, and I dig watching the audience like it because they're like, oh, okay, yeah, you know, I can imagine they, your audience would be like really into that because yeah. it captures something that everyone's kind of obsessing about right now. Yeah, and it's fun to watch, but it's also smart, yeah, and everyone has their own moment, and I like that a lot. Nice. So yeah. Okay. So that's my jibba jabba. Love it. So now the segment, a thing we did for self care. Mm -hmm. I'll go first, I Please guess. Do, and yeah. I hate saying this every time. You need to rest. You do. Like, I'm really, really busy these days with the show. So um, I came home the other day and I was like, I'm going to take an afternoon nap. It's going to be three hours long. It's going to be great. I'm going to wake up when it's still dark out and get weirded out. But uh, I need to rest. Yeah, that is always like a disorienting feeling. Yeah. 
But uh, I love a good afternoon nap. Yeah. Yeah. I, I had no choice. My body was like, guess what we're doing? Yeah. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to lean into this. Nice. Yeah. Sally, what'd you cool. do? Well, similarly, <laughs> um, I went to sleep really early for like an entire week straight. I mean, I, I go to sleep pretty early anyway, but uh, I went to bed between like, I would say 8.15 and 9.15 for like a week. Yeah, when I texted you last night, Alex, like, why are you texting her so early? I was like, trust me, she's almost in bed. Yeah, oh, early. Oh mm -hmm. my God, that was so late. But uh, yeah. It was um, 9.30, you guys. Yeah, <laughs> like I said, so late. No, but um, I also like, I put my phone on Do Not Disturb way before I go to sleep so I can like power down. I knew that, yeah. But, um, but anyway, yeah, like so... For the last like week or week and a half, Andrea has been really, really sick mm -hmm. and she's been sleeping a lot. Um, and so she was going to sleep at like seven or eight at night. And I was like, you know what? This is actually an amazing idea. And mm -hmm. I would just go to bed. I would like stay up a little bit after her mm -hmm. and then go to bed. And so I would be asleep by like 8.30 or 9. And then the one problem is that then I would wake up at like 4.30 in the morning, okay, which kind of feels ask. like the middle of the night. Yeah. But it feels really good. But it, that's still like, for me anyway, like a full night's sleep, like seven or seven and a half hours. Mm -hmm. And it just felt so nice to not try, because often I try to make myself stay up until like a reasonable adult hour and it's kind of miserable. But to just like fall into bed at eight or nine, ugh, delightful. Yeah, I know. Yeah. yeah. So, so I, 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 yeah, I felt, I had a week of feeling really, really rested. And now I feel like I'm back to, feeling like a Zamboni ran me over, but... And, and your wife is doing well, Looking I at, She's so much better, you guys. Yeah. Oh, my God. She was like a hollowed out husk <laughs> of a human being for so long. I couldn't believe it. I love saying your wife. I know. <laughs> I do, too. My wife. Yeah. my wife. Yeah. I called the doctor for her, like, in the middle of the week, and I was like... um, Because, like, she was just so sick. And I was like, hi, like, I'm calling because uh, my wife talked to you yesterday. <sighs> and uh, it was so weird, but so cool. That's fun. Yeah, the old, the old my wife. Pull out the old my wife, you guys. <laughs> well, I'm good. glad she's feeling better. Thank you, yes. Yeah. Um, awesome. Shall we get to the first email? We should. Um, do you actually? I would like to read this. Yeah, please. Um, yeah, this is from Kate Marsh. Mm -hmm. That's their. Um, they, that's the name from a video game, and they chose it, and they've written in before. Oh, yes, that's right. They're written in before as well. Okay, cool. Here we Let go. me just. I also want to say Ooh. that they attached like several, several, several pictures of their adorable pets. I saw that. I only included one I in the doc, yeah, yeah. and but I just want to be clear for okay. the record. Yeah, that's, for the record, we got them all, and they're all very. Cute. That's wonderful when yeah. you do that. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, last night, I went to a Halloween party that a coworker who I recently became fast friends with threw her cousin. It was on a Sunday and during a thunderstorm, so it didn't have the biggest turnout, but it was still a room full of people I've never met before, mostly women and a few men that were some of their dates. My friend was very busy that night, especially since this was her first time hosting a party, and there was a lot of last-minute issues she had to resolve, so I didn't hang out with her as much as I thought I would. It ended up going surprisingly well. I didn't go to parties like this in high school and only went to a few when I went away for college for a year before I basically dropped out. And boy, did I forget about all the grinding that happens. Maybe my memory's fuzzy or this group was particularly intense about it. But if this is how presumably straight women get down with each other on the dance floor, then when I turn 21 and walk into my first gay bar, I'll expect nothing short of that scene in the old Caligula, Caligula movie I came across on Tumblr that one time, but with Tegan and Sarah in the background winky emoji. Anyway, that's usually a thing that I sort of awkwardly observed as part of my usual wallflower routine. But this one drunk girl who I was barely aware of before then announced that she was going to get me to really dance. She did that thing when you put your ass in someone's private area and backed up a lot. I would have been more mortified if I was less buzzed and if the guys in the room started leering, from my perception, the guys seemed uninterested, like, sure, they've seen women dance with each other before and were just waiting for their turn for some of that grinding to go their way. But since they didn't, I leaned into her behavior. I immediately said to myself, look at that. I'm not even interested in her and we're grinding and it's all chill. It was not chill. She kept coming back to me to dance close, did that thing I described before several times, and on one occasion gave me a lap dance. I think I can confirm my type is, quote, women who are aggressive with me, unquote. However, she was doing that to most of the guests, men and women alike, and was very drunk to the point where I ran and got her some bottled water at least four times. So I assume uh, that's just how she partied rather than her actually flirting with me. Still, this was the most attention I've ever gotten from a woman, and I really enjoyed dancing with her to the point where I fantasized about maybe making out with her. 
I was really stressed out because I was afraid of how she and or the people around us would react if I seemed even a little bit interested in her while she did her antics. On the bright side, she did say she had fun with me afterwards, and I wouldn't say I'm normally thought of as fun, so that felt good to hear. While I was waiting for my friend to walk with me to the train, I checked Twitter and discovered Anthony Rapp's revelation about Kevin Spacey, which is already sickening, and then Spacey's response of explaining away what he attempted to do with Rapp as a drunken part of his journey into finding pride in his sexuality, and aren't we all glad he's finally affirming himself? I've been appalled, but since I heard this and have been thinking about it all day, and I think I now, I think I know why. No, I'm not a sexual predator, thank God, but ever since I realized I was queer six years ago when I started having crushes, I felt creepy and awful. It was probably a mix of upbringing, where my parents tried to hide the concept of gay people away from us as long as possible, and when they realized we knew we were allowed to watch comedies with more graphic homophobic jokes. They clearly didn't expect any of us to actually be gay. I also went to an all-girls Catholic high school, although I guess this could have happened in any high school, where if there was a teacher that people resented or if one of their friends were acting too clingy, it was common to theorize, practically in an Alex Jones-like fashion, that they were secretly a lesbian, and that's why they were so annoying and creepy. I never was officially out there, and I never got to date in those years, so I never learned how to approach someone I'm interested in. I still haven't had my first kiss, even. It just feels like I'm playing catch-up very poorly, and I can't approach anyone because I'm inherently being overtly aggressive by showing interest in them. And having fucking Kevin Spacey confirm these fears to straight people as an excuse to why he sexually assaults people makes me want to break his face with my fist, but also makes me irrationally disgusted with myself anyway. I guess the big question is this. How do you deal with internalized homophobia homophobia slash anxiety about expressing your sexuality even when you rationally understand that there isn't a problem with you for having a, in this case, marginalized sexuality to express? I thought I unpacked and unlearned these things a while ago, but it seems like it keeps bubbling back and I'm sick of it. Best Kate Marsh. Oh my God, your dog. Yeah, this is Holly. 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 You guys. Oh, okay. Well, Sally. Okay. Kate Marsh. Well, first of all, I want to say that I I relate to this feeling of um, internalized homophobia and um, like there's something um, like inherently shameful or predatory about your sexuality because I I think that... I think that if you feel anything outside of what we're socialized to feel is normative sexuality, then everything else is like aberrant and harmful and gross and shameful. So I really, and I used to feel that way about myself. So I, I really, I really relate. And as, as I read your letter before now, and also while Catherine was reading, I was trying to think about like how those feelings and um, like, how I let go of those feelings in me or not even like let go, but like process them and made sense of them and um, stopped feeling that way because I have stopped feeling that way. And honestly, you know, I think that um, one thing that really helped me was spending a lot of time or, around just having a lot of queer friends and surrounding myself with like queer people who were um, expressing their desires and their, you know, expressing their sexuality in ways that just were so, um, quote unquote normal, like having crushes on people, going on dates with them, breaking up with them, having fights, getting back together, like just that all of that stuff that we're socialized to know is like part of any relationship. I think that that just eventually sank in and I was like, well, this has to be normal and okay because I know these are people who are normal and okay and they have these feelings and I have these feelings so I must be normal and okay too. So I I don't know what your social situation is like. I don't know if you... um have queer friends, but I would find as many of them as you possibly can surround yourself with them. And I think also this is one of those topics that people at in support groups at LGBTQ community centers talk about a lot. Um, so I would maybe check out one of those. And I also think that um, when you're getting these messages, not just from like so- mainstream society, but also like your school environment and also your family, uh, that can really poison you. I, that can really like get in your head. And I think there's like a lot of stuff that you do. I, I just, I think most of us, I think all of us actually have a lot of shit we have to unpack when it mm-hmm. comes to like our childhood and our families and our parents just 
kind of no matter what, like full stop. But I think also um, when you are queer and you grew up in a household that was, you know, reinforcing society's message that being queer is like a barren and bad, like that's mm-hmm. like an extra layer. And I, I, that to me is something that's probably worth delving more into and um, just trying to, to pick all that apart. And I think my observation about how therapy has worked for me is that um, it's, it's not so much that I go in and I'm like, I want to solve this problem. So let's talk about this problem incessantly. It's more like I have this problem that I want to solve. So let's just talk about a whole bunch of shit. Cause a lot of it's probably related and it, and it ends up getting processed in that way. So I guess, I guess what I'm saying is like, it might be difficult to sit down and like actually like scrub your mind of these thoughts. But I think like doing some processing around, you know, some of the stuff you mentioned about like your family Mm. and school that might help some of these feelings abate. Catherine, what do you think? Yeah. So I I volunteered to read this first because when I was reading it, I wanted to hear what you had to say Mm. because I don't have this experience. Right. So I think that what you said is incredible surrounding yourself with people who have had these experiences. So you don't feel alone. And this goes with many things. Um, For me, one of the things I thought about was sexuality and how people express it differently and how I was that girl at the party, you know, Um, because in college I drank for the first time. I wanted to be sexual, but I couldn't be for a litany of reasons. And I I felt free. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, oh, my God, this is amazing. And of course, you know, you learn boundaries at a young age anyway. So I don't think I did anything that was boundaryless or unwelcome. I do see how it would feel, though, when you're the sober person or when you're like, I could have feelings for this thing. I was more thinking about um, a lot of in, in what is it, vino veritas or in whatever they yeah. say, you know, in, in, a, in another way, this other person at the party was maybe expressing them, themselves for the first time being mm-hmm. like, yeah, this is this is how I feel. I'm sexual. I want to, you know, um, and that's the thing that you you touched upon is that you do have feelings and you do want these things and there's nothing wrong with them but you are being very very hard on yourself because I did not grow up thinking my desires were wrong Mm -hmm. so that I can't imagine how that would fuck with you Mm -hmm. and I um yeah so I don't know what that feels like but I will say at that age you're at everyone's experimenting in little different ways some people are more comfortable than others and you are doing all the right things by questioning and looking and thinking and feeling but I do think going back to what Sally said that hanging around people who have a little bit more of your experience dating wise and otherwise would really help you feel not so alone. Cause it sounds like you're a really great person. You're getting this woman water. You're like, sure. I'll dance. This is fun. There's mm-hmm. nothing wrong with having sexual thoughts about someone, even mm-hmm. if they're not into you. I mean, fantasies are fantasies mm-hmm. and that's very healthy. Mm-hmm. You didn't act on it inappropriately. You didn't take advantage of her. Um, it sounds like you're, you're doing all the things, but you're feeling very guilty. And I think that it's a lot to do with the way society teaches us but Mm -hmm. yeah you know you're not a predator and you behaved wonderfully I hope that going forward you can explore your sexuality you know whenever you're ready and comfortable yeah and I also I I think that this is kind of one of those things where if you fake it till you make it like that'll also (laughs) help (laughs) because I think the other thing that like normalized um dating women and um having crushes on women and stuff like that was just like doing it more like I remember that like the my first few like dating situations or like they I just I, I really did feel like I was doing something that was just wrong and shameful like it, there was no I mean it was a different time it was 1999 <laughs> and there's just like there's no way around it um but the more that I did it like the more that I uh like lived as a queer person um I don't don't necessarily mean like out versus not out but just like dated people and like talked to my friends about who I liked and talked to my friends about like the relationship I was in or I was in but wanted to end or whatever the more it just became normal it just like became my life and it's like you know and like something is brand new and it's like like, I don't know, like when you go to college, it's like all of a sudden you're like living in this new place and you have a new class schedule mm. and you don't know anyone. And you have to take a plastic bucket of toiletries down the hall to shower and, and <laughs> you know, the bucket. And it just feels so weird. But then after like six weeks, you're like, this is my life now. Nothing's ever felt more normal. I can't, I can't imagine not having the bucket. Um, 
And I kind of feel like part of this is like part of feeling more comfortable with your sexuality is kind of that. Like it's like, you know, the more you do it, I don't know if it's like it's not even necessarily like dating. It's it's I think it's sometimes it's just like telling your friend that you have a crush on someone or like even like telling someone this story or whatever. Like the more you do it, the more you're going to get these reactions from people who they're going to react like they're you're telling them a normal thing because you are. And that's going to make you feel normal. And then after a little while, you're going to just be like, this is my life. Mm -hmm. Um, Having said that, I do want to reemphasize what I said in the beginning, which is just that I think sometimes like when we grow up in a certain situation, we take it for granted like that it's just a it's a really common situation to be in. But like not everyone grew up in a house where their parents hid homosexuality from them, except Mm -hmm. for to let them watch movies with like gratuitous gay jokes. Mm -hmm. Not everyone went to a school where there was like rampant homophobia. So like keep in mind that those are influences that um, are probably probably had like a deep and profound effect on you that um, probably need to be like unpacked. Mm -hmm. And I just want to say also uh, I co-sign Kate Marsh. I co-sign your anger towards Kevin Spacey for what he did. Mm. That is righteous anger. And that was really fucking shitty. And you are not at all Kevin Spacey. I can't believe I said that in a sentence. You're not at all Kevin Spacey. Um, But yeah, thank you for bringing this up. Because that's something that I never even thought about, obviously, because I've never had that experience. So thanks. Yeah, thanks for writing Kate Marsh and keep us posted. Yeah, Holly. Ugh, what a good dog. Holly, you're adorable. By the way, have you seen the things where it's like um, we took a picture of a dog before we said good dog and then after we said good dog? I don't know. I don't think so. Ugh. Google it. Are the dogs like smiling? Yes. So at first they're like, you know, a dog. You take a picture like I'm a dog and then they say good boy and they're like, or good girl or who's a good dog. And then they're all like perked up. That's adorable. It is so cute. I feel like you can capture the same thing about me. Like if you take a picture (laughs) of me and then you like compliment me, I'll just be like, like, who's a great friend? That was me panting like a dog into the microphone, by the way. And also I want to let you know that I'm going to do it right now. And also it was interspersed with cats. Cat photos, so it's like they, they like haven't changed expression. Exactly. <laughs> Some of them walked away. They were like, "Fuck this." They're noise. like, "What else you got?" Yeah, well, I, I really don't. I really don't pick up what you're throwing down. Um, yeah. Okay. Hey, who's a good friend? <laughs> we will post that later. That will be on the Instagram. Yes. Okay. Uh, email number two. Um, so this person needs a name. They do. Catherine, what is, is there a Game of Thrones name that we can use? That's not terrible. Not terrible. Yeah. Uh, that's a tough one. Page nine hundred twenty-four. Yeah, <laughs> this is from page nine hundred twenty-four. No, uh, I think that we could go with Maester Lewin, Perfect. Um, because I don't think that that character does anything abjectly terrible. Okay, so this will be from Maester Lewin. Great, just Lewin. How about just Lewin? Great. Okay. And content note. Yeah, content note. This uh, has a mention of assault. Over the past two and a half years, I have had to have my elbow rebuilt due to a work-related injury for which they are fighting, lost my job, six people in my life died, lived apart from my wife and dogs for a year, lost all my money, lost my house, gained 50 pounds, and was assaulted by a dude. He broke my face, literally broke my face. I am 38 and starting 100% completely over and I'm lost. I cannot go back to the type of work I did and I'm not qualified for anything else. Any suggestions on where to go from here? Also, I have no friends and my support system is basically non-existent. Cheers, Data. Mm -hmm. So this is tough. We don't know. um, We know a lot about you. And um, I'm so sorry this happened to you. That's awful. Having um, injuries like that, getting assaulted feeling lost and not able to do the work that you used to do, I can imagine must be so debilitating and and difficult. I I don't know, I know we're, everyone knows we're going to say this, but if you have access to therapy, group therapy, or any sort of crisis center or anything at all where you can sit and talk to someone, that is definitely helpful. Um, it's one of those situations where maybe you shouldn't have friends to talk to at this point because Friends are great to listen and make you feel good for a second, but there's a lot that um, is is really healing when you talk about your trauma and therapy. It's and it's something that could help a lot. Um, you are starting over. It feels like that, but I will say that everyone is always in a very strange way starting over. Every day is different. Any day can change your life. Um, it is possible to get through this, and you will. 
but it's it's okay to take a step back and say you need help. Uh, that does not mean you're weak, and it doesn't mean that you're not going to ever be able to do anything on your own. You will eventually learn a different skill. You will be able to work. You will have friends. But I think right now you've been through a very traumatic situation, several, two and a half years, you say. That's awful, and it's okay to take your time and and rebuild, and that in of itself is is being actional and growing and taking a step forward. So I implore you, if you have any access to resources, government or otherwise at all, to start talking to someone, that's that's really helpful because you need to be very kind to yourself right now, Sally. Yeah, I agree. I think definitely the first step is getting some support, especially if you're saying you have no support system. Um, you said your support system is basically non-existent. So I, well, I think the first thing you have to do is find that support system. I'm not sure if you're still married. You, you mentioned that you had a wife. So I think one thing to do if you're still with that person is to say, sit them down and say, I, I really need help. Can you help me find help? Um, if you don't have that person in your life anymore, I think uh, what you need to do is basically figure out how to get it. So whether that's like some sort of free clinic or a sliding fee scale clinic or a university near where you live that gives free therapy, I would definitely look into all of those things. Um, I think, or you can do something online like Talkspace or something. Yeah. I think the other thing is that um, you, I mean, you've, you've gone through so many traumas. I mean, two and a half years, lost a job, assault, lost six people in your life, lost your money, lost your house. That is so, I mean, one of those things would be like very difficult to bounce back from and you have like all of them at the same time. Um, and so, of course, I do think it's going to be difficult to bounce back, but I also think it's possible because you have you have some insight, you know, like you, you have the ability to like list out everything that's happened to you and why you're feeling the way you're feeling. And I think that that's great. I think that that is a strength and I think that's something that can help you. Um, so I think that, um, another thing to think about is like, you know, trying to figure out what you can do for work because it sounds like you need the money and you can't work in your old field. And work is really good because first of all, it gives us money and second of all, Mm -hmm. and money pays for therapy, but also because, um, work, you know, it's kind of the classic thing people always say, like, it makes you feel useful. It makes you feel like you have a purpose, like you get up and you do something. You said you're not qualified for anything else. But I, I don't know. I mean, I I think it's possible that you're qualified for other things that you just, and you don't know you're qualified yet, or you haven't um, sat down to like, think creatively about it or or look into it. Because it's just hard for me to imagine someone who's like, actually, literally not qualified to do any job, but the one job they did. Um, But you know, I don't know if, if where you live has job training programs, um, you know, where you you learn skills associated with a job or a trade while you get paid for it. Um, I don't know if I mean, you know, when I was like between jobs and feeling sort of like I wasn't sure what I wanted to do, I got a job at my favorite coffee shop because mm. I loved the coffee shop. I, I loved how I felt when I was there. I loved the baristas. I loved the vibe. And I was like, not really sure how to feel okay. But I knew that being in that coffee shop made me feel okay. So I got a job there. So I don't know, is there a space that you really like and you feel connected to? And maybe you could get some sort of job, even if it's like a stopgap and it's, you know, a way to make a little bit of money, but also just like spend your time a little productively. Mm -hmm. Um, Because I feel like um, the tone of your, your email feels really like, um, like flat and, um, I feel and like I'm what I'm reading into that is that you feel flat or, mm. and like you feel like you're at a loss. And um, and I don't know if, if that just is like how you write and you don't feel as flat as it seems. But I, I because I'm assuming that you're feeling really kind of disconnected, um, I think the, a really good first task would def- would be to find a way to feel a little bit more connected mm. to yourself, to the world, to other people. And I think that can be through, I don't know, any things I just mentioned, like a job or a therapy or a group therapy or something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. So keep us posted. I, I will say one thing that you said, Sally, that I think resonated and I hope this helps too. I have done and continue to do jobs that are not my career. You know, there's times where it's just nice to be in a place where you don't have to worry about the yeah. future of your life and just, like you said, the coffee shop and make money and meet new people. Yeah. I mean, working in a service industry or, you know, retail or something like that, 
<clears throat> or even just temping in an office and just getting out of the house and making money and meeting new people. You may not be best friends with them, but at least you're sort of getting out and doing things and learning something else does not mean it's a career. And a lot of people in this world are having to learn new skills every single day because the economy and the job market changes. Mm -hmm. um, so there's a lot of people I know who are not skilled, I'm sorry, don't have a skill that they need to move on to the next step. And you can learn it. And you can also, in the interim, try something else just for fun and also to make some money so you feel a little bit more confident when you decide what you want to do. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Totally. Okay, thank you, Lewin, for writing in. Um, you know, feel free to keep us posted. Join the Facebook group because that is a great place to get support. Mm -hmm. Yeah, online communities are, are make you feel less alone. Mm -hmm. so. Cool. All right, email number three. They want a name from Star Trek. What should we use? So they suggested either so, so, data, so Star data, Trek, data, the, data, the next data, generation. Data, they suggested data, data, Jordy LaForge, <laughs> or Q. I think we're going to go with data. I think we are. All right. Cool. This is the best intro. Hey, Kathy, Kathy and Sally. <laughs> I don't mind. Hey, Kathy. Yeah. Um, so here's my issue. I'm having a tough time right now, and I know I should see a therapist, but I don't know how to go about finding someone I trust. A little background. I recently moved across the world to be closer to my partner and family. Before, I was working in an amazing job with amazing people, but I was so far away from a lot of people I cared about and the distance seemed too much. So I took my time and thought I found an opportunity to and place to live that fit in with what I wanted to do. Most of my friends and my partner are about a two-hour train ride away and my family isn't too far away either. Honestly, it's amazing to be in the same time zone as these people again. But unfortunately, my work has not been what I hoped it would be. Most people here are real negative and beaten down by institutional circumstances, and I totally get it. I'm leading a neat project, and I want to see it some of the way through. Plus, I know this isn't forever, but whoa, is the present not ideal? So the tough part. I was getting involved in my local community and slowly making new friends and working on my own stuff and getting along okay. Then I went to present at a conference, and it's been downhill since. At this conference, someone who is a known jerk started attacking me while I was talking. It was my worst nightmare that I would be exposed as a fraud that didn't know what I was talking about. I got through it okay, but afterwards I was a complete mess, and if I didn't have good friends at the conference and people who rallied around me in the aftermath, it would have been much worse. I've since been working with others on making things better for our field's community in terms of establishing codes of ethics behaviors and stuff like that, but I haven't, I just haven't had the same drive and energy that I used to. I've pulled away from activities in my new area that I was really getting really involved in. I haven't been in touch with any new possible friends. I've been sleeping way too much and not working on my personal projects. I've had more than the usual amount of migraines for me since I got back. I know I should start seeing someone again, but the last time I went to a therapist because I was having panic attacks and flashbacks due to a sexual assault that happened ages ago, she was not great. At the first session, I told her all the details of my assault, which is rough to talk about. I don't really tell anyone because it is difficult, and I really admire people who can do that and are able to come forward. Anyway, the second session, she was like, wait, what happened again? I told her this big thing, and she couldn't even be bothered to remember. It was horrible. I've had really great therapists before, but none of them are in my area, and I just don't know how to find someone I can trust. Before, I could ask friends who they liked. But now, I don't have that same kind of friends group in my new location yet. New location yet. So, if you have any tips and tricks about finding someone great using the internet or, like, ways to vet therapists, please let me know. Data. I should probably put a content note for my response about sexual oh, assault. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Thoughts. Okay. Okay. Uh, yeah. So, data. Great question. Love when people ask about therapy because <laughs> then uh, I can talk about it and I don't feel like I'm saying the same thing over and over yeah. again because you asked me to talk about yeah, it. There it is. So, okay. The first thing I will say is that um, my coworker wrote a really, really good post called 26 Ways That Will Make Finding a Therapist Less Miserable. Um, and she included tips from people that she, she crowdsourced from her own experience and also some therapist she interviewed. And I, I, I edited it and I read it being like, well, I know everything there is to know about this. And I actually learned a bunch of new things. So I would definitely check that out. Um, again, it's 26 tips that will make finding a therapist less miserable. It's by Anna Borges on Buzzfeed. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's one thing, but, um, so the other thing I would say is like, I, I think that, uh, I think that the emotional, 
part of finding a new therapist that you like is actually a lot more difficult than the practical part of finding a new therapist that you like because what it requires is basically like going out and like meeting a couple of people and asking them questions and seeing how they react and seeing what you think of them, which actually, I mean, we're all pressed for time and money. So it's not that that's like easy, mm -hmm. but I think that actually it only feels really hard to us because it's emotionally difficult. And that might be obvious or maybe it's not, but I think that, uh, I think that like wrapping your mind around the fact that it's, uh, you, you, you have to make an emotional effort to do this might just help you sort of, um, you know, prepare for it a little bit. Um, I think that like one thing to do is you can meet with a new therapist and be like, listen, like one of the reasons I'm look, I'm seeking a new therapist is because my last one, I told them about a traumatic experience that happened and it was really hard for me to talk about in the next week. They didn't remember. And you can see like what they say about that and how they react to that. I, you know, you can also go on psychology today has a really awesome therapy finder, therapist finder, and you can sort by like things that uh, each practitioner has um, like specializes in and you can find ones that specialize in trauma or PTSD or sexual assault. That might be also really helpful. Um, I don't, if you don't have any friends to ask, uh, if you have any doctors, uh, usually an MD that you like will be connected to some therapists. Um, and I just, I found that when my doctor, if I really like a doctor, the people they really like are also great. Um, so that could be a good place to get a recommendation. But otherwise, um, I do think it's a matter of like doing some online research, um, going to people who offer like a free first session or a free consultation to see what you think, um, and then going forward from there. And then, and there are tips in that article I mentioned for how to go about doing all that research. Catherine. So well put. Um, and I will say also, uh, to your point, Sally, finding somebody who specializes in a certain thing, uh, I, whenever I have resources to pick out or in the past have, you know, uh, insurance that covered it, I found that people who specialize in couples counseling, but just for me, single talk therapy, because mm -hmm. my big thing still, you know, in all, most of my life, there's a lot of things, but also relationships. Mm -hmm. I've had a hard time having relationships. And I find that um, people who had experience with couples counseling really understand relationship dynamics and how to find mm. certain things. Oh, that's so that's good, one of the really random yeah. things I look for that I like a lot, um, even though if it's solo, um, which that's is. That's really good advice. Yeah. So maybe find something that you, you know, can relate to. Secondly, I'm really sorry that happened to you. Um, and I also will say, uh, yes, a thousand percent get a new therapist because that's not okay. No therapist should ever make you talk about anything. I don't like the way therapists are portrayed in Hollywood because – it seems as if they talk about themselves and then talk about their wife. I'm thinking of Goodwill Hunting and then mm -hmm. make you talk about a thing. That's not the way it should happen. Um, I am so sorry that you feel that you should be able to talk about your assault and you admire people who do come forward. Can I tell you something? It is perfectly okay to not talk about it. It's a trauma that takes years and years to even just think about. I know survivors who it takes them 10 years before they can say the words or longer. So you should never feel weak if you can't talk about it at all. People who can talk about it, that's their decision. Um, it, it, if they do it, it's their own reasons, but no one should ever feel forced to talk about that ever, <laughs> ever. Um, if you want to talk about it, find someone to talk about it with. But if you don't want to talk about it, that's a huge tell. Um, it doesn't mean you're weak. I already said that, but I'm just really mad that that psychologist did that or didn't listen to you. So I kind of want to just say that because, uh, it's something that comes up a lot of, I wish I could be brave enough. And, you know, I, I recently did a play this weekend that I wrote about my gymnastics teacher who had molested me. And I thought I was way, way over that situation, but I really enjoyed it. It's very poetic. And someone came up to me after the show and they're like, you're so brave. And I was like, honestly, like that was actually kind of rough, you know, and that's been over 30 years. Mm -hmm. So it's never, you know, you you're, you have your own journey to healing and it's a very personal thing. So mm -hmm. no, there's no cookie cutter way of dealing with that. So first of all, I just want to be very clear. You don't even have to bring it up to your new shrink if you don't want to. Mm -hmm. You can you can let that happen eventually. Yeah. So you do you first. Yeah, totally. And, and if you want to not bring it up, but you want to make sure that they would be good at helping you process it when the time comes, you don't have to reveal exactly what happened with your old therapist, but you you can say you know, what, what is your experience? Like, how do you, 
you know, h- how do you think processing trauma plays a role in your work with patients? Like, you know, and, and like, I think you can allude to it and ask questions that will help you get the answer that you need to know if the person is a fit without necessarily going too much into what happened to you if you don't feel ready yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 It doesn't make you not brave. Yeah. You're, I, you're doing your thing. It sounds like you're doing all the right things and taking care of yourself. Yeah, totally. Um, but yeah, you know, it's one of those things where it sometimes takes a while to find the right person. Um, I think it really is just a matter of good old fashioned trying new people, asking them questions and seeing if they're a fit. Um, but it's emotionally exhausting. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think it's great that you're thinking about doing this because everything that you said, you know, you said you're getting more migraines, you're sort of losing interest in your activities, like you're just like not feeling as awesome. Like that, those are all like really good reasons. And also like the assault you mentioned and also what happened to you at that conference. Like these are all really like great clues to pick up on that like you need some help. And so I just want to like recognize that you are putting those clues together and being like, hey, like yeah. I, I need to I need to find a way to deal with this. So like my hat is off to you, Data. Yes, Data. You you keep you, uh, doing you, and mm-hmm. there's no shame in finding a new therapist. True. Yeah. So keep us posted how it goes. Join yeah. the Facebook group. Maybe people have um, tips about finding a therapist, or maybe like it's probably just also a good place to uh, commiserate with people who are mm-hmm. or have been in similar situations. And some people, we, we have people who do trigger warnings and content notes in the group. Yeah. Some people have experienced something similar potentially and maybe it would help you to read their story and maybe not feel so alone but also know you don't have to post anything yeah you can but you don't have to you totally. can just sort of read and feel like they're it's a good community totally yes yeah. okay so thanks for writing in yes data okay well listen sally you have the song of the week i sure do but whilst you're pulling that up tweet at us at struggle bus pod email us at strugglebuspodcast at gmail.com if you have a question put that in the subject line question or if you want to join our secret Facebook group, send a separate email, strugglebuspodcast at gmail.com in the subject line. Say, please add me to the group. If you don't get in immediately, let me know. I'm the one who handles that. Sometimes Facebook is weird about it. Don't worry. Let me know like, hey, it didn't work. There's a workaround for that. Instagram.com slash the struggle bus pod. Use the hashtag struggle pod buds 420 to find a struggle buddy. Tweet at Sally T. Tweet at me at SPK Heller. And if you want to, oh my God, I just saw your song of the week. If you want to... Um, <laughs> Uh, become a paying member to get bonus content for as little as $5 a month. Go on to strugglebuspodcast.com. Click on the link to Gumroad. We already have 14 bonus apps there. Bonus episodes, we talk about whatever you want. We don't mm-hmm. answer questions. We, we, I mean, we do, but only uh, people in the bonus group. What? Members. You members know. send us questions it's, and we answer them. But yes. sometimes, sometimes they're... Like, what are your thoughts on this topic? But lots of times they're like, what were your favorite video games growing up? Which it's pretty fun. We then tangent forever. Forever. We'll watch a movie or episode of a TV show you want us to and, and talk about it. We sure will. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. uh, wait, sorry. Did you just do the whole thing? I did. Okay, sorry. I, I was thinking really hard about my song. Um, the song of the week is Pour Some Sugar on Me <laughs> by Def Leppard, the 1987 single from the album Hysteria. I don't know why. I just was sort of thinking about it and this song came to mind. It's so good. It's really good. It has like a really good uh, chorus. Um, you just, you're going to want to sing along to it. Um, I hope it's not super problematic, but they were sort of like I'm a sure they are. glam metal band. So maybe it is. Do you know the first lines of the song? Is it not pour some sugar on me? I don't know. No, you I don't got know. the peaches, I got the cream. No, that's not the first. That sounds is right. That the same song? I don't know. Is pour it? Some sugar on yeah, that's it. That's in the it. Name of love. Yeah. yeah. I like to play the how many lyrics do I actually know. (laughs) Um, So anyway, get into some Def Leppard. Uh, There's nothing like some (laughs) late 80s hair metal or I don't know what they were. They weren't heavy metal, right? I mean, they were like pop metal. Is that a thing? I don't know. They played on Z100 in New York, so I assume that uh, they weren't that hard. Oh, um, (laughs) Wikipedia says glam metal and arena rock. Arena rock. So that's a thing. I I just was laughing because imagining like, you know, our grandkids or, you know, people way down the line being like, what the fuck was this? Def Leppard. Yeah. How is that a thing? Don't don't know. Yeah, but But, it's... But I want to know, and I see myself spending a lot of time on the Def Leppard Wikipedia page later today, if I'm being honest. Yeah, how did they get their name? Don't know. We'll find but out. But I'm going to find out. All right. we'll, I'll report back next week. Thank you so much for listening. <laughs> I'm Kate. I'm Sally. Bye. Bye. Bye.